You're listening to the CFP Podcast with your host, Sheffy, the college football writer, the source for your college football fix with picks, clicks, and conversions over kicks. Now, here's your host, Sheffy. Howdy, college football fans. That's a little tribute to the heartland and my old home in the Lone Star State. And I just want to point this out. Those of you Sooner fans who are watching, you see this UT hat on my head. It's really just Big 12 themed. Uh, so I don't have uh, an egg in the game for UT, nor am I, uh, you know, a Sooner lover or basher either. I just love all things college football. So as my mom used to tell me, today's a big day. Well, mom, today is a Big 12 day. And we're privileged to be joined by Josh Neighbors, Twitter handle at Josh Neighbors underscore. And he's from the Locked On Big 12 podcast. So listeners, what I like to do is... Uh, during the entire year, I like to go around and find the most comprehensive podcast for each conference. And I can tell you, Josh's Locked On Big 12 podcast is by far the best for the Big 12 conference. What I like is he not only addresses the big issues and stories of the conference, but he gives a real college football passionados like me what we want, the teams and the players, the analysis and the trends from what we saw last year and what we can expect to see this coming year, more than just the clicky stories of ridicule and red tape that some of the podcasts tend to give. So Josh, as a college football passionado, it's a word I made up. I thank you for joining us on the show today, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I, I was the last couple of days, people, people have been saying, hey, this guy only likes OU in Texas. So I'll say what you just said. No, I am not just an OU in Texas guy. Uh, I love the entire conference. Obviously, we're sad that they're going. Uh, but yes, it's a very exciting. It should be a really competitive year. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and it's still, I still can't wrap my head around Texas, especially, and Oklahoma, leaving the Big 12 and going to the SEC. But as somebody, who, like I said, who lived in the state of Texas for 11 years, I'm happy to see the Lone Star State rivalry come back mm-hmm. by virtue of playing in that same conference with Texas and Texas A&M. So, all right, Josh, we're going to get right out of the gate here. So I'm going to give you, and I sent it to you uh, off air, my predicted order of finish this year. And I just kind of want to um, here are your thoughts. And you don't have to address necessarily every team, but uh, going from the top to the bottom. And again, uh, feel free to uh, send me the, the love or the hate online fans. But I've got Oklahoma finishing first, followed by Texas. So I think those two will play not only in the Red River rivalry, and I can't believe I just said that without stumbling, but also in the Big 12 championship. I've got Oklahoma State three, Baylor four, very close. Kansas State five, Iowa State six. West Virginia and TCU at seven and eight, and then Texas Tech and Kansas rounding out the Big 12. Josh, so as you looked at that and as you hear that, anything jump out to you as, okay, I can't believe he put them here, whether it be too high or too low. Give me your thoughts on on that order of finish. You and I actually are pretty similar. Um, I have OU, I have Texas. I have Baylor then, then Oklahoma State. But, I mean, you know, it's not like – 3-4 is 3-4, right? Right. That that can be separated sometimes by tiebreak. I have Kansas State at five, so I, I have them as kind of – I've been saying this, like, that's the outside team that I wouldn't be shocked if they were in the Big 12 championship game. Um, and their odds were, like, super long to start. the. It was, like, 42-1, to one, I think it was, maybe, to win the Big 12. Um, something absurd like that. I don't, I don't think they should be that long. And, well, and I, not to interrupt you, but I, I think I remember hearing on uh, Bud Elliott on the Cover 3 podcast said that he took that to Vegas because of such a long shot, and, and he kind of likes what he sees in Kansas State. So, but go Yeah, ahead. The volat- there's a lot of volatility with this year's Big 12. So, like, you know, I think Kansas State could definitely do it. Six through nine, I I, I, for, I submitted my ballot the other day. I forgot what order I put them, but, like, it's really – it's kind of a crapshoot. Like, yeah. six through nine is another one of those categories where it's a bunch of 
you know, seven and five to five and seven teams um, in that, in that mix sometimes lower. Uh, I put TCU uh, at nine. I had them flip with tech in West Virginia, I think, but uh, look, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, generally speaking, like my thoughts about the conference are kind of the same way yours are. And I think the one criticism that people like us have been, I know it's a criticism we've been getting OU in Texas at the top. um, That is because, it shows you how good Oklahoma's infrastructure is that like when you lose your coach in the dead of night, you get the guy who's been probably, you know, considered the best coordinator in college football the last, whatever, however long it is. Also he happens to be a guy who used to coach for your school when you won a national championship. And he comes and brings in one of the best offensive minds, maybe the best offensive mind that is not a head coach right now in Jeff Levy. And there's reasons for that, the Baylor stuff, obviously, but he is a coordinator for them. And so you bring that in, you bring in a guy like Dylan Gabriel, you got some talent there already. Uh, defense, let's see what happens, but he's a defensive mastermind, Brent Venables is. So, like, if that's your version of a chaotic offseason, you're, you're in really, really good shape. Also, their schedule's not that difficult. Um, so right. that's one thing I'm looking at. But I think people think uh, there's a lot of upheaval there, so they're kind of concerned about what's happening. That's why people are thinking, well, OU's, you know, maybe not top dog. But my question, though, would be, like, who is then? Who is going to yeah. supplant them for number one? Baylor's schedule is pretty challenging, and – they're switching quarterbacks and have lost a lot of pivotal players. Yes, both the lines are good. Uh, Oklahoma State lost their whole, basically their whole, you know, a lot of their defense. It, their right. defensive line is really good. They lost a lot of that defense. And then Texas is like the variance one, right? We really just don't know. I mean, there's so much talent there and more talent than normal. This is not Tom Herman talent. Like this is elite, elite level talent, especially on offense. So I think they should be right up there at number two in the conference right now. Yeah. And Texas every year for me, uh, Call me brand biased, but I, I feel like if I don't put Texas in the top three of the Big 12, it's going to come back and burn orange me, yeah, mm. pun intended there, uh, in a big, big way. I mean, like you said, maybe the most talented roster in the Big 12, and it might not even be as close as some people say, but again, I, I still, I mean, Sarkeesian has not wowed me as a head coach yet, even last year too. But in saying that, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Longhorns not only finished one or two, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if they double dipped and beat OU twice in the same season. Not because I think that they're that much better than Oklahoma, but just because the, the talent level is there. Um, so if they can answer some of those questions and if Quinn Ewers can step in and be the guy that he's been hyped up to be, then they're, they're in for something good. I'm not even sure he needs to be like that guy. I, I, I think the one thing last year was they were playing ping pong with the quarterback position so much that it's like it, it didn't really they weren't finishing games off no and and they caused them you know the only losing streak and not really know what the thing you know what to do a quarterback but like yeah I, I mean they had the opportunities to win a lot of games last year and they didn't and steve sarkeesian promised to overhaul the roster and he did uh yeah. and he i mean he made you know he made those wholesale changes brought an extra you know some extra help on defense gary patterson is there obviously now I get the linebacker. They brought the linebacker in from JMU. They got some transfers also, obviously, on offense. And so, um, you know, like this this team, here's the thing is like people are like, oh, text back, text back. You can say it like you have to evaluate every team differently. Like yeah. some things are jokes. Some things are trends, whatever. It's fun. Like this team, talent-wise, in this version of the Big 12, should be different. If this was last year's Big 12, where like Oklahoma State was that good defensively and Baylor – could be, you know, defensive juggernaut they were. Like, yeah. maybe it's a different conversation. But there's right. no guarantees on that front. So if we're going to have to go with talent and, like, 
you know, the only other team in my mind we could see up there is Kansas State. Like, I'm going to take Texas. I'm not yeah. going to take Adrian Martinez quarterback team to go up and be ahead of Texas. I'm going to take Texas and OU. Sure. And uh, just real quick before I move on to the next segment, I've heard a couple of prognosticators put Oklahoma State in that top spot because, you know, um, Gundy is clearly the dean of the conference. But yeah. the biggest loss for me for the Pokes is Jim Knowles is their defensive coordinator. Like, I consider him an A defensive coordinator. And no disrespect to Derek Mason, but I put him at a B minus D coordinator at best, at least in year one. And all those losses in the back seven, I think losing Malcolm Rodriguez was probably the biggest blow on that defense. I love watching that guy play. Yeah. It's going to be selfishly, uh, I'm going to be selfishly sad not to see number 20 Roman sideline to sideline out there in Stillwater. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you lose Malcolm Rodriguez, you lose Colby Harbell Peel. You, yeah. you know, you lose cornerbacks as well. And I mean, you, you retain a lot of the defensive line. I, I'm a huge Derek Mason fan. So I'd probably put him a B plus, a B plus, A minus. That sure. defense for Auburn last year was awesome. They were really, really good defense. I would just say like, he, you know, there's a big adjustment he's going to have to make. Yeah. Uh, just they, they did lose a lot, especially in that linebacking core. And that, that's something they're going to have to deal with. Also, the thing is they're going to have to, they did a great job last year adapting their style of play, right? Like we think yeah. Mike Gundy, we think chucking it around. Well, last year's team was a run first defensive football team. Like that's, yes. that's what they were. The problem for them is I don't know who's running the football for them, right? Like there's like, you know, and the offensive line, not really sure about their quarterback is, was first team all big 12 last year, but is, you know, one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks that we have in, in you know, it's in his conference for sure. Yeah. So and that's to say there's really high highs for him. Like, that's the one thing. It's like, you know, it's not like his high highs are, are bad. Like, his, the, the Notre Dame game last year, oh, my God, it was he was awesome. Yeah. Um, right. But, you know, like, he lost Tay Martin, too. And so, you know, you lose your number one wide receiver as well. And, like, you have to start thinking, okay, like, what is this team going to look like? I'm sure it'll be fine. They'll probably win eight, nine games. It's just yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. And if a, if a transition year for you is eight, nine wins, yeah. you know, pretty. I mean, it just shows you how good Mike Gundy is as a coach. Yeah, no, that's a good place to be. So, all right. Who's overrated in your opinion? I mean, looking at some of the preseason magazines, hearing some of the other um, talking heads, who's a team that you hear people saying, I think that this team should be at the top. And you're like, eh, I'm pumping the brakes on that one. Who is that for you? Baylor. So I have them finishing, although I have them finishing third, yeah. what we have to understand about Baylor is, so like when I say overrated, they're probably going to be a preseason top 25 team. They might deserve it, but what they've done, I mean, so when they make the quarterback switch to Blake Shapin, right? Yeah. What you're doing is admitting that this year you can't do what you did last year and succeed, right? You, you yeah. lost stuff on defense, you know, Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie, like those guys, I think are going to have really good NFL careers because of how awesome players they were. And they lost, you know, they lost some guys at cornerback as well. Like this is a really, uh, it's a, it's going to be a good defense again, I think, but yeah. they lost Abram Smith. Right. And so you're like, okay, you know, you lose your running back. I know it came out of nowhere, but they're going to rely on guys they don't really know with a quarterback who has played one really good half of football and one not so good half of football. And so this is like, this is a team that I think, you know, I know all teams get better, but I think in November might be a, you know, could it definitely be a top 20 team playing like a top 20 team is what I mean to say. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily guarantee that like they are going to be throughout. So I think when you have a difficult schedule like they have, and you're going to be kind of proving yourself, you know, learn on the fly a little bit for them. Yeah. Um, it things could be difficult for them, but I don't think it's going to be embarrassing. It's just going to be like, all right, we have to, you know, your Baylor's done an awesome job staying towards the top. Doing a great yeah. job, actually, no matter who the coach is, Bryles, yeah. um, Matt Rule, and then now Dave Aranda. They've done a really good job staying towards the top. But like, there can be small dips in there, which is okay. I just think they're going to be in one of those right now where they have to 
make sure they get everything training back in the right direction. I think they will, but I yeah. don't, I think if you're putting them like preseason top 20, I'm, I'm not there with you on that. I've even seen them as high as top 10 and that's what I've kind of that blows too, me away. Is, yeah. And, and that's why I put them as my most overrated team as well. So we're one for one on that. I mean, and we were pretty close on our, our predicted right. standings yeah. too, but yeah, you replace those running backs, the wide receivers. I like Blake Shapin, but he's, he's going to have to do a lot on his own kind of early. And I think the, the saving grace for that offense is Jeff Grimes, one of the most underrated offensive coordinators in college football. But yeah. then they look, I mean, they, they lost a big part of their secondary as well on defense and their schedule. They play at a good BYU team in week two, and that's going to be tough, um, especially since, you know, Baylor beat the Cougars at home last year. Uh, Okie State early in a tough spot. West Virginia can be tricky. Uh, Kansas State, we know, is, is a tough out. Uh, even though Baylor's beaten the Wildcats four straight years. And then they have to play at Oklahoma and at Texas as well. So, yeah, Baylor's my pick for overrated in that regard as well. So let's go to the other side, underrated. Who's a team that maybe should be giving more or be given more love and maybe will will surprise people in a good way? So, I mean, I, I, I guess I have to go. I, I've, I'm like the least Taylor Martinez person in the world. I really just do not. I really – struggle with him last like watching him last year everybody's like oh this team's three and nine and they're the best three like okay you lost all the games and he's he's right. a reason why because he can't take care of the football yeah. that being said i love deuce vaughn yeah. i love both their wide receivers brooks and Knowles. i actually i think their tight end and matt obey is pretty good too their offensive line should be pretty good this year their defensive line should be pretty good this year their linebacking course should be pretty good this year the secondary's got a lot of size as well so i think that's the team that's that we're, I mean, Vegas salt is low selling them. Here's the thing. When you play like Kansas state does, they really do. They actually hit a lot of explosive plays last year, but their pace was one of the worst and worst slowest in FBS. Slowest does not always mean worst, sure. but they had one of the slowest paces. So when you play slowly, what that means is you, during, you can look at this two ways, either one, you have to take care of your possessions, right? And so that says, okay, Taylor Martinez, Taylor Martinez, Adrian Martinez turns the ball right. over a lot, all right? That's not good if he has less possessions, you know, it could be more turnovers. Or you could say, hey, less possessions, that means less opportunities to turn the football over. You know, right. it, could, it could work either way there. So that's why my hesitancy is that at the most important position, they're replacing a guy in Skylar Thompson who is a rock for them and consistent yeah. with a guy who really has not been consistent. That's what you need that quarterback spot. Like, that that job this year is to get the football to playmakers and and uh, you know allow the, you know, the Brookses, the Knowles, and you know the Deuce Vaughns to yeah. make the plays in space, take care of the football, maybe hit those big explosive plays when you can. We'll see. We'll we'll yeah. see if he and and he's got a really good guy to teach him how to play Kansas State quarterback and Colin Klein, a really Colin good, Klein. awesome asset. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see though. So th- this is the team that I have my eye on. Kansas State, because I really don't like people want to sell me on West Virginia. I just cannot do it. I really cannot yeah. do it. People, no. uh, Iowa State, Matt Campbell, like, you know, maybe Texas Tech's got a lot of talent on offense. Thing yeah. is, their schedule is really, really difficult. And they're kind yeah. of in a transition period. And I'm not really sure who's playing wide receiver for them this season. So I think that's why I land on Kansas State as the team that we're underselling. Because I'm saying I have them fifth, but like also I wouldn't be surprised if they're in a championship game. So that kind yeah. of tells you, you know, even I'm underselling them, I guess, too. So I, I think I need to up my anti-hacking software because you, we are like three <laughs> for three now. So I have Kansas State right here, clear. I, I wish I uh, had the knowledge to share my screen with uh, with the viewers here. But um, so here's what I said. 
Uh, many are picking them around anywhere from four to six in the Big 12. But I think the addition of Martinez is good because he's a good complement to Deuce Vaughn, Malik Knowles, yeah, and yeah. Phillip Brooks. And all those guys are a much better supporting cast than he had at Nebraska, even when they had Wondell Robinson, um, even when Maurice Washington was kind of that flash in the pan good in the early part. But then you touched on the biggest one. Colin Klein is the new offense coordinator. I am most excited to see him entrenched at the play calling position, maybe more than any other uh, offensive coordinator in college football, at least the new ones that are in there. And there's been a lot. I think like almost 50 percent of uh, OCs in the power five are new this year or first year. They also have two and a half offensive line starters returning. I mean, if you include Poitier coming back from injury, um, the defense will be a lot better than people will think. And there's a lot of experience on that defense as well. They played Oklahoma close, winning two of the last three and four of the last five have been decided by a touchdown or less. So, yeah, I would not be surprised to see Kansas State playing in the Big 12 title game if they can get, you know, one or two of those, uh, you know, questionable games to go their way. So, yep, uh, right there with you. Yeah. Right, well, also, one more thing about Adrian yeah. Martinez, like he's, he's like a pretty good player. Like it's, it, the thing is like, I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. It's just the mistakes are crippling. Like Carson, it's a kind of a Carson Wentz type deal. Like Carson Wentz is extremely gifted, extremely talented, but there's sometimes you're just like, what are we doing? Like what? Yeah. And so for him, it, it happens almost like twice a game. I mean, his touchdown to interception ratio is never like, it's never really that impressive. I mean, like, you know, 17 to 8 was fine, but 10 to 9, 4 to 3, and 14 to 10. And also it's got a massive fumbling problem. So that, that you know that, that's yeah. why I'm there on that. Sure. All right. Well, going to the players now specifically. And and I will full disclosure on my way uh on my way back home this morning, I was listening to your most recent uh locked on Big 12 podcast. And so I heard you kind of talking about some of the players of the year. So I hate to break your heart, but we're going to disagree agree here on mm-hmm. the offensive player of the year. I know who you're going to say, but tell the listeners again, who is the is the most talented uh, offensive player in the Big 12 this season? The most talented one is Bijan Robinson. The one I okay. have picked for to win player of the year is Deuce Vaughn on my ballot. Okay. That's who I pick because he is – I call him the four down back. That's what I call yeah. him. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great assessment. I'm actually going to go with Dylan Gabriel here. and. Mm. I, I love Deuce Vaughn, um, the most versatile player in the Big 12. I agree with you. The most talented is Bijan Robinson, and it was very close. I was, it's really splitting hairs between um, Bijan, Deuce, and then my pick, Dylan Gabriel. But, you know, he's got a quick release and the ability to throw his guys open. Uh, he's going to make his core pass catchers, who people are kind of bringing down a peg because they lost Mario Williams because, you know, uh, all the things that are going on there. Yeah, Jaden Hazelwood, um, too, is gone. Yeah, Hazelwood's the other one, right. Um but they still have a talented group of receivers in that room. Plus, like you touched on earlier, Jeff Levy produces his quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Corral at Ole Miss, Mackenzie Milton at UCF. Um, he, he has a way of making things work for his quarterback. And because I picked Oklahoma to be at the top of the league, that's really what was the deciding factor. I think that Vaughn has complimentary players in Adrian Martinez if he can you know, clean up the miscues like you talked about, and then Knowles and Brooks. And then Bijan has... Uh, Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nair coming in. I think that Ewers or Hudson Card, whoever solidifies that job, is going to do well in that offense. And Roshan Johnson playing behind him. So I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have a more impressive year if he can take the Sooners uh, back to the top of the Big 12 because it'll look on paper like he did it mostly on his own without as much help as those other players. Yeah, I picked him for my newcomer of the year. So he's on my, you know, he's on my ballot for, and he's also my first team quarterback. Um, So like, 
I think when you take those three guys, I think it's, you know, it's a really, it's a really compelling conversation. I mean, the thing that Deuce will have going against him is like, if they don't win that, you know, as many games, uh, right. and a guy like Dylan Gabriel, B. John Robinson lights it up and they win nine, 10 games, then you're sure. probably going to go with that guy, you know, yeah. if it's pretty close. So, um, yeah. you know, that's kind of how the voting things, things go. I, I think, right. I think what impressed me so much about, about, um, about Deuce Vaughn last year was that that Kansas state team cycled through quarterbacks like crazy. The one thing yeah. that didn't change was his level of play and the quality of play next to him was very much hit or miss, but he was awesome. Like the entire time. And yeah. so that to me, like, that's why I would say, you know, even if he were to do that again this year and, you know, Dylan Gabriel has a nice season, I'd still lean towards Deuce Fong because I'd, I'd be saying, well, who is the best player, you know, kind of, especially given the circumstances, right. I would take Deuce in that situation. So it's just a matter of what you value. Right. And, yeah. Dylan Gabriel, you know, tosses around and takes Oklahoma to the Big 12 championship game. Can't argue with that at all. I think it's just a matter of, you know, the context of it. You have to see what kind of where things shake out, where they land. Yeah, and I can promise you, you will not hear a peep of argument from me uh, when anybody says Deuce Vaughn is Offensive Player of the Year because I love watching that guy play, especially at his stature and and what a big-time back he is because a lot of times people have this misunderstanding that he's like this jitterbug who's like just going to run around people like – he can bring he can bring the lumber and uh, oh, I mean, no. he's got some strong yeah. legs and low center yeah. of gravity. Yeah. So, um, well, you you touched on your newcomer of the year with Gabriel. I actually went with Adrian Martinez uh, and I and I put it this way. So 64 percent career passing percentage. Um, he throws a good ball. Obviously, he needs to cut down on his turnovers, both fumbling and uh, throwing picks. But I think like I talked about earlier, he's really going to benefit from having Deuce's versatility. Um, Brooks as a solid receiver, and then um, Knowles as big playability. Not to mention Cade Warner, who was a former teammate of his out in Lincoln. Um, but again, what I really like about Adrian Martinez being able to shine as the newcomer of the year this year uh, is having Colin Klein as his offensive play caller. So let's go to the defensive side. So we talked about uh, offensive defensive player of the year. Tell us who your defensive player of the year is, and I bet you I'm going to shock you with mine. So I picked Siaki Ika. Um, the numbers for him are not going to be as good as and I know the, the other one people were picking is Felix Enodike Uzama from Kansas State is a tremendous yep. pass rusher but yep. to me you know Siaki Ika is the guy we're all looking at in terms of in draft stuff he plays a different position um right. he, he plays a position where you know like we talked about Jordan Davis for Heisman last year and yeah. if you went to Jordan Davis stats like that's not where the Heisman case lies right no. you have to watch what does it require to block a, an elite elite interior defensive lineman well it takes more than one person but what does that do that frees things up for everybody else around you and behind yep. you and that's the job you're you, you know you're you're they call the guys in the offensive line road graders right that's kind of the same way like your job is to pave the way for the guys behind you if sure you want to you know make some plays as well but like if it takes two guys to block you then that's going to f things up for the uh for the, for the defense right or for the yeah. offense excuse me and so that, that's kind of where i see his value and i think he's got to be he's got the chance to be the ultimate disruptor in the conference this year and really push his way up the draft boards because the physical talent for siaki Ika is 100 percent there oh absolutely and that's where i almost went with dylan doyle as my defensive player yeah. of the year just because he'll be freed up from not only um you know um Aki, but also Jackson player coming in if they like to go two big guys inside and, and they play a little bit more of an even four man front. I know yeah. that they're primarily a, a three man front team, but I actually went with Daniel green from Kansas state. So I think he's a very underrated linebacker. So 89 tackles a year ago, 13 TFLs, three sacks and four quarterback hurries. 
But I think the biggest thing is he's going to benefit most from the players in front of him. You mentioned Felix. Um, I think Khalid Duke, if he's healthy again this year, those are two great bookends. Um, and then he's got a good secondary behind him as well. And he's going to be joined by Will Honus transferring over from Nebraska. I really liked Honus out uh, for the Cornhuskers. And D coordinator Joe Klanderman does a good job, especially against some of the bigger boys on the schedule. Green has two and a half years of experience that will help him. So I know that's a little bit – and it's not a clicky pick. It's uh, it's one that I, I, I mulled over for about an hour this morning. I'm like, you know what? My gut is telling me that Daniel Green, if, if Kansas State performs as well defensively as I think that they will, I, I, that just – was it for me? And, and again, I agree. If, if, if you're going on just pure what they bring to their defense, it's, uh, you know, your guy, 100%. But uh, because I, I am influenced by stats and by what, you know, what your versatility is, Green is a tackler. He's a good run stopper, but he can also contribute in pass defense as well. And I have him on my first team defense. I have him next to Doyle uh, at the linebacker spot and then also DeMarvin Overshen. So, I, you know, that's that would not be surprising. I, I think, yeah, I, I think he's you know on that defense. He'll you know he. The problem is he's not the best player on a, on his defense. Like I, I do think, and yeah. DK Azama is the best player on that defense sure. just because he is like the he is such a game disruptor, and we saw it happen last year. So I think that's kind of um, why I would if I had to pick a guy from there, I would yeah. go that way. But also I have three Kansas State players on my first team all defense, so like I wouldn't be shocked if any of those guys. Sure. Yeah. I mean it's. You can't go wrong with any of those. Yeah. Uh, what about a, a watch me player? Somebody that um, as you watched and covered the big 12 last year and coming into this year, like I'm still not seeing their name mentioned or I'm not hearing them talked about a lot. Who stands out to you as somebody that uh, fans will know a lot better after 2023 or after 2022. So Kenny Logan is a uh, safety. He plays for Kansas. People don't give him yep. a lot of respect because he plays for Kansas, but right. watch Kenny Logan. Uh, uh, there's that. I so I'll actually go another Kansas State guy. Julius Brents is yeah. like gigantic. He's like a, a really big dude. Yeah. Uh, I think he's like he, he played safety um, at Iowa State before he came to Kansas State. And so I think it's really I, I'm really curious to see what he looks like this year. They use him kind of in a hybrid spot. He's gonna play corner. Like yeah. I, I'm really excited to see him. And I think he's got a chance um, behind the guys that we talked about to make some plays if those guys can force the action up ahead. And, and so I, I think, you know, maybe that'll be an interesting guy to, to, to watch on yeah. the uh, on the defensive side. Another guy I want I want people to, to know their name. I'll go to another Kansas player. Let's go offense here. Kai Thomas, Minnesota transfer, comes in at yeah. running back for KU. KU, in my opinion, has the second best running back tandem in the league or running back group in the league. And I think it's it's a good it's a good margin. Um, they have Devin Neal, who was really good last year. Numbers don't jump out at you because. It, it's hard when you're playing for KU. The blocking is yeah. not always going to be great, so your numbers can get a little, you know, kind of deflated. But uh, right. awesome games against OU in Texas last year for Devin Neal, and they bring in Kai Thomas, who was a horse uh, for them last year after Muhammad Ibrahim goes down from Minnesota. He comes in. So I think yeah. Kai Thomas can have an opportunity to, you know, to be a, a – I mean, he's probably the second best offensive player that they have next right. to Devin Neal on that team this year. So yeah. I think both those guys can get plenty of run this season. I'm excited to see those two. So I, I will say uh, on the defense, give you a little Kenny Logan, Julius Brents, and then we'll also go with um, uh, Kai Thomas as well at running back. for Yeah, Kenny and he's, he's got a, uh, an experienced offensive line coming back too. And we know Lance Leipold, uh, you know, makes his plays to his strengths. That is what exactly. he does. He plays to his strengths. And that's the thing this year. Yeah, I'm going to go on the defensive side, Tyree Wilson, DN from Texas Tech. Now, I was really impressed at the latter part of his uh, 2021 season. 
So he finished with 38 tackles, seven sacks, six and a half TFLs, five quarterback hurries. He's 6'6", 280, um, and he's got a pretty good linebacker behind him in Krishan Merriweather and an even more experienced and a pretty solid secondary behind that. Plus, I like new D coordinator Tim DeRuder. I thought that was a big hire for Joey McGuire. Um, and he's, you know, respected. He's a reputable D coordinator. And, and Tyree Wilson in the bowl game was really, really tough to block. So he's somebody that I think could pop on this year. If he's he big too, man. To he's like 6'6", six, six, like 275, yeah. I think. He's a big kid. Yeah, yeah he's a big dude. So, um, well, all right. One other thing we like to touch on is home field advantage. So um, watching the games, I don't know how many of these stadiums you've been to, but, you know, from what you can see on TV, what you've seen maybe in person, who do you think has the best home field advantage in the Big 12 Conference? I think Stillwater right now is a huge home field advantage. I, 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 I look that way because that's exactly who I'm going with. So yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear, like, what stands out to you? And I'll give you my reasons as well. I just think being so consistently good, like pays off with attendance. I mean, like that, you know, like they've been rewarded with really good crowds. Uh, yeah. And I mean, last year, you know, it's tough place. I think they went undefeated at home last year. What? Yeah. The loss was at Iowa state. Yeah. And, and then, you know, um, so I think that that stands out to me for sure. Obviously, anytime you go to OU, it's a really difficult place to, to go win a football game. Yeah. Um, I'm trying, I mean, McLean stadium for Baylor looks beautiful. I just don't know how, Oh yeah. I don't know if it's a tremendous home field advantage just yet. I think it's becoming one. I think definitely it's definitely becoming there, yeah. one. But right. I would say yeah, if I had to go with one right now, uh, and then oh, uh, Jack Trice. I mean, Jack Trice is yeah. up there. But I would say right now, quality plus like the, like the team kind of is good, so the, the advantage yeah. is good. I would go Stillwater right now. Boone Pickens would be my number one. I'd say Jack Trice is probably number two because it's just yeah. as an advantage. It's it's a pretty awesome advantage. Sure. Yeah. No, that, that uh, atmosphere at Jack Trice has gotten better and better and, you know, big part thanks to Matt Campbell. So I put Oki Steak. So the, the paddle people that are right on top of you, I mean, I love watching that and hearing that, you know, just the, the pounding against the, the padding there, mm. um, the yeah, waving back and forth during the fight song. Um, Oklahoma State uh, has the number two home record in the Big 12 since 2015. They're 34 and 11. And since 2018, and, and this jumped out at me, I just found this out this morning. Eight and two against ranked opponents at home. I, it's got to be um, near the top in the conference. Three and one against top 10 teams in that span. So when opportunities put in front of them, they take full advantage of it. Whereas other teams who maybe win the games they're supposed to at home, sometimes they they let the, uh, you know, the quote unquote bigger games slip through. So yeah, absolutely. Boone Pickett Stadium in Stillwater is, is my choice as well. So yeah. we're going to uh, kind of finish here. Uh, quickly, Josh, and again, I, I really love having you on, man, but we're going to do some quick word association. So I'm going to give you three coaches and two programs, and I didn't give them to you ahead of time because I want like the first word or first thought out of your mouth when you hear them. Good for that? Yeah. All right, here we go. So Brent Venables. Defense. Okay. Mike Gundy. Adaptable. Okay. I was going to go with mullet, but uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, playmakers. Yeah. I like that. All right. So now two programs, Iowa state. Matt Campbell. Okay. Uh, West Virginia. Tough spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a good one. I like that. Um, cool, man. Yeah. I, I wanted to end with something. I mean, the whole interview was fun. I mean, this is probably one of the, the most fun, uh, Thanks, 35 minutes of, of college football talk that I've had. So, one of the reasons I love listening to your show, Josh, is, and again, fans, that's the Lockdown Big 12 podcast. So uh, give them a listen if you don't already subscribe. 
But it's like you're just a guy who's talking college football with friends. And that's honestly what I thought we had mm. right now. It wasn't yeah. like scripted. It wasn't just, you know, so what do you think about this? And that's really what I think every college f- football fan wants to hear. And that's essentially what we were doing, man. It's a great work. So, um, you know, but the great thing is uh, he's actually a professional, ladies and gentlemen, who does the work, too. So keep up the bigs on the Big 12, brother. Um, you want to remind everybody about where they can find out what you do and, and tell them a little about yourself? Yeah, so you guys, uh, I, well, I also have a producer for SiriusXM. I, I produce yeah. on their college channels, and I'll say a little bit of NASCAR as well recently. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at JoshNeighbors underscore. Find the show at LOBig12. And Locked on Big 12 is wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Subscribe. We're trying to get to 1,000 before the start of the football season. We're at 905, I think, right now. So trying to get to 1K before we start CFB season yeah. 2022. And, Tim, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to do everything that I can to, to make sure that the people out there who are on the fence, they're going to be well entertained by subscribing, man. So, Appreciate all right, it. there you have it. Once again, this is the CFP podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and visit our website, cfpcollegefootball.com. And if you're looking for lots of college football spots, that's the place to go. So thanks for listening. Adios on the Brazos.